Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor James, how did you suddenly become so tall, handsome, and eloquent? (laughs) Well, look in the bulletin. It's me, Jason. And it is my joy to share with you today. I think Pastor James knew he might eat too much turkey at Thanksgiving and still be tired from all the... What is it that made... Tryptophan. Tryptophan. Uh, So if you start dozing, we'll throw things at you. That lady's distracted. This is Glaferia Rosales. Glaferia had been a New York City art dealer. And between the years 1994 and 2009, she sold more than 60 masterpieces. The thing is, though, that these were 60 works that had never before been exhibited. They, they weren't in any catalog. They were previously unknown by some of the 20th century's greatest artists like Jackson Pollock and Mark Rothko. Collectors were so excited they bought these paintings for a total of more than $80 million. The thing is, all of them were painted by the same guy that Glaferia hired working in his apartment over in Queens. He had mimicked the style of all of these great artists to create original, beautiful works. But simply by signing somebody else's name to them, these paintings suddenly became far more valuable than what his own works would have been. I think that picture was when Miss Rosales was on her way into court after this situation was discovered. But sometimes when it comes to getting the the genuine article, the real deal, I think that saying we learned as kids is true. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I kept telling myself that as I was looking at all the Black Friday ad circulars. Uh, Oh, man. Nope, it's probably too good to be true. You get there and there are only three of them and you're the fourth one in the store or it's some off-brand that breaks before you get to the parking lot or you got to fill out six rebates and get a note from your mother to get the low price, whatever it is. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Now, just as there are authentic masterpieces and knockoff counterfeits, or, or as there are genuine Rolex watches and $5 Rolexes you can get in Mexico, I think that there can also be real deal, genuine Christians. But there can also be others who are going through the motions, who look good, but maybe aren't the real deal. That's what we want to take a look at today as we look at a list that the Apostle Paul gave us. We'll be looking in uh, his letter to the Romans, and Paul gives us a, a, a list of what a genuine Christian living might look like. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. It's in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. And it's on the back of your, uh, of your worship bulletin for you there as well. This is a list of, of quick snippets, of, of little sound bites of what it looks like to be living the Christian life. In many ways, it reminds me of some of the passages in Proverbs where you just get these quick uh, uh, instructions or um, 
exhortations. Paul does this elsewhere in his letters, giving this kind of list. And in fact, we know that it was common in uh, Christian writings of this period. Now, this is not a, a checklist of legalism. Don't be uh, uh, thrown off by that, that I have to do this, this, and this, and then all is good. That's not what Paul is saying. But as we will see, the transformed life produces fruit that is described by some of the things that Paul is writing here. Now, I'm going to read, and the reason I, I uh, put the whole passage on the on your worship program is I'm going to read it from the New International Reader's Version, which is kind of an obscure version, but I like the wording for this particular passage. So follow along on the, on the bulletin or, or listen along here. In Romans chapter 12, in verse, starting at verse 9, Paul says, Love must be honest and true. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Love each other deeply. Honor others more than yourselves. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people who are in need. Welcome others into your homes. Bless those who hurt you. Bless them and do not call down curses on them. Be joyful with those who are joyful. Be sad with those who are sad. Agree with each other. Don't be proud. Be willing to be a friend of people who don't, excuse me, be willing to be a friend of people who aren't considered important. Don't think they, that you are better than others. So a couple paragraphs with some rapid fire snippets of what it looks like to be living out this Christ following life. And while they touch on many topics, I think they fall into some broad categories. Now, these Bible editors, at least, they, they gave a subtitle to this whole section. They just called it love. And yeah, a lot of what we just read is about love and how we show love towards others. But I think to get more specific, there's, there's three big categories that I want us to look at today that are reflected in Paul's list here. They are to love truly, to care deeply, and to be genuine. Now, let's go into those in a little more detail. To Love truly. Well, obviously, as I just said, uh, this whole section is a lot about love. Of course, we know Paul writes a lot about love. 1 Corinthians 13, very well known. And we see that throughout here. In fact, it starts, love must be honest and true. Some versions will use the phrase, love must be genuine. Love must be the real deal. No counterfeit love. No knockoff love. It must be the real deal for those who are Christ followers. And genuine love, it's not just mere pretense. It's not emotional showmanship. It it isn't that I work myself up into some tearful fervor 
It's far deeper than that. It can look lots of different ways, but it's a deep abiding character trait to have this kind of genuine love, to be grounded in this love. We become enabled to love in this way, and it really is the love that God expresses for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Genuine love. The world is full of lots of kinds of love, and we know that much of it, I guess we could say, is counterfeit. But the love that represents the one who is love, when we live that out, we live out this genuine and true and transforming love. As Paul goes on in his list, it's that kind of love with which we will shun that which is evil. We will hold tight to that which is good. It is that kind of love from God when it's genuine and true that gives us the discernment to see what is evil, what is true, to cling to what is right. It leads us to living out that kind of lifestyle. So first of all, love must be the real deal. Those who are Christ's followers live out this real, genuine kind of love. But then there's a big section in what Paul's talking here that, that I label to care deeply. To, to have empathy, really, is a lot of what he's talking about. But we can go back through that list. You hear him say things like, well, to honor others above yourself, to be joyful in the face of sorrow, to be patient, to care deeply, to not just be a surface person, to not just... Uh, uh, skim through life and not be affected by the joys and the hurts, but instead to get into the trenches and to realize the deep needs in your own life and in the lives of others and to connect with those. Empathy. You know, we talk often about sympathy and empathy. I can be sympathetic to your situation. Man, stinks to be you in so many ways, brother. But empathy is more a sharing of life, of coming alongside and say, man, that stinks, and I'm with you in it. You okay? Oh, praise the Lord. Genuine love right there. To have that kind of empathy where we share life with others. Genuine love doesn't respond to other people with envy or bitterness or, or just brushing them off. Instead, it, as I said, it gets into the trenches. We wholeheartedly enter into life with one another. As Paul said, with those who have joy, be joyful. Instead of saying, well, man, I should have got that promotion. <laughs> Wish I had that car. Man, no, I celebrate with you. That's awesome. That's wonderful what's happening in your life. Way to go. Celebrate that. And then it also says with those who are sad, be sad. You know, that's a very hard thing for us to do, I think especially as American males, to be sad with somebody because we want to fix things, right? Oh, don't be sad. Don't, 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 no, don't, don't, don't cry. Don't be sad. And as a funeral director, I'm especially sensitive to these things because we have a whole list of these cheesy, I call them death poems, that you can put in the little memorial folder. And I think, frankly, most of them are awful. 
You know, they're these cheesy poems that say, oh, don't be sad, don't cry for me, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you've used these, and I don't mean to offend. But these are theologically whacked poems. Paul says, don't brush sadness. He doesn't say brush sadness under the rug. He says, be sad with those who are sad. Realize that in the case of death, this is a, this is a huge transition. This is stinks. And it's okay to say it stinks for a while. It's a journey. We don't stay in that pit. But it, when my life has been shattered, don't just say, oh, it'll be okay. Don't say, oh, buck up, little sailor. Say, no, that stinks. And cry with me and care with me and be empathetic with me. That's what genuine love Looks like that's the real deal where we're willing to go beyond the surface easiness of saying, Oh, God needed another flower in his garden, so he killed your mother. No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> not to be glib, but that's what these poems say. You can understand why I don't like them. That is bad theology. We've gone off on a whole new direction. This is a this is a new sermon I didn't even plan. You get two for one money today. Don't you feel blessed? <laughs> no, but we share life because there's an intimacy, there's a genuineness that when there is joy for you, I can celebrate that with you. When there is sorrow for you, it hurts me too. And we're not afraid to show that and to live in that place with one another. Genuine love. So we care deeply. Paul goes on in what I would call in this section of caring deeply. He talks about hospitality. I, I, I think in this version we read it, it says, welcome others into your home. Some versions will say practice hospitality. Now, in the first century, this was a, really an actually important injunction because as, as Christians would be traveling from town to town, there weren't a lot of Super 8s and, and, and Hiltons and Denny's. You literally needed to welcome people into your home, to feed them, to shelter them, to feed their donkey. So this was a very real call. And while we may not need to be down on the freeway off-ramp saying, oh, hey, new to town, come stay with me. There are some principles in this that I think are very true of practicing hospitality. Maybe many of us did it this past Thursday on Thanksgiving. Holidays are a great time when we often practice hospitality, whether you go and mooch off somebody else or they come to your house and do the same. It's about relationship. It's about time together. It's about sharing, sharing your home, sharing your life, sharing our church. And Paul says, practice that. Practice that hospitality. And I think that this comes when we are willing to care deeply. Currently, I, I serve as the uh, pillar chair or whatever for membership care or whatever we call it. Basically, I do whatever Pastor James is unwilling to. <laughs> Wasn't that the description you gave me? I thought it was. No, 
no, no. So I'm helping to, to provide some structure to just some of the miscellaneous stuff that helps us be better people and love better. So things like uh, the prayer chain, or what we're working on now is what we call assimilation, which is a fancy word for taking you from the parking lot to the baptismal to the grave, if you will. And we do it all in the same week. It's a beautiful thing <laughs> we are starting here. We are just fast-track Christians. We're going to... I got the bumper stickers ordered. It's beautiful. No, but it, it is that process of helping people not fall through the cracks, and part of that is our greeter ministry. You know, we've had great folks who have been serving in a hospitality role for, uh, for years that give you your bulletin as you come in and open the door and shake your hand. But we have been thinking, if, if we're called to this hospitality of caring deeply, how can we do that even better? So if you've been here the last few weeks, you're starting to see some of these steps put into place. And I want you to be aware of them because change is always weird and hard. And rather than saying, well, why aren't they giving me my program as soon as I get out of my car? Understand the bigger picture here of how our greeter ministry is really a team of folks who God has called to this hospitality Really, of we think of it as, as eliminating the barriers to Christ. And whether those are physical barriers, like how do I get from the parking lot to the building? Where do I put my kid? Where's the bathroom? To things like, are there people who really care about me and care what I'm going through? It's about reducing the barriers that keep people from Jesus. Now, really, this is a... A task for all of us. So let's not just say it's those six or eight people that have the name tags. But, but those six or eight people are kind of the front line, the first defense, people who really have uh, embraced this call of hospitality, of welcoming people in, all of us, whether we've been here for 40 years or this is our first time through the door. And this, this ministry of, of greeting, of assimilation, it's about helping to build connections and strengthen relationships. So it's my hope that you'll notice this over the next few weeks and months as we continue to develop what this means and what this looks like. But it's also my prayer that you will engage in practicing hospitality. A couple things you've probably already seen. We do have a great team of folks, and they do have name tags. People like Bill because he tends to forget who he is, and he looked down and said, oh, I'm Lib. I thought it was funny when you did it. <laughs> I guess they all know your sense of humor. So that, that first-time guest has a point person. Do you like to go into a situation where you feel out of control, don't know what's expected of you, or don't know where to go? Man, I love that. No! So we want the first-time guest who's already been courageous enough to come here, whether you've invited them, they're your cousin from out of town, or whatever, the Holy Spirit has led them to these doors. We want them to know, okay, there's somebody with a name tag that must mean they're official. Now, don't start wearing your own quasi-name tag and, and trying to be some counterfeit greeter out here who's, sure, the bathroom's behind that tree. 
we will be shut down, baby. That's what I'm telling you. No, but it's to be that comforting face. Hey, the restroom's right here. Oh, I see you brought your kids. We check them into this place down here. You may or may not get them back when we're done. Whatever it is, helping to reduce the obstacles that keep people from Jesus. So you see things like that. You see that most Sundays we're hoping to have a team of five to ten people spread throughout the lobby and the building, even outside, helping folks to get in, to know what's expected of them, answering questions, serving them. We're we're developing a welcome center out here, and there's a sign there, and that's going to become kind of the the information hub. So we'll have uh, extra bulletins there. We'll have the Light and Life magazine there. We'll have the sign-up sheets there. So when Pastor James says, oh, sign up for you know, Thursday karaoke or whatever lame brain thing we have. It'll be there, so it's all in one place. It'll be kind of our hub. We're also seeking, as I said, to build connections and strengthen relationships. And this is where all of us have a role to step up and be hospitable. Let's say, for example, a a new guest comes And the reality is, I think if we were to take a poll and raise our hands, probably most of us would say, yes, we are a friendly, we're a welcoming church. But the reality is, I know people who didn't say that after their experience here. And I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I said earlier, change is hard, and that can be true when the people change and sometimes we're not quick to embrace new folks or, or we're not sure, oh, they probably don't want to be overwhelmed, so I just won't say anything. And there's some people like that. But then there's other people who say, man, I was in and out of that church. Nobody talked to me. Nobody gave a rip. Whew, not going back there. And we have had people tell us that that has been their experience, and it breaks my heart. Now, again, we're not seeking to overwhelm people. We're not seeking to put a party hat on them and shine a spotlight on them. But we want to show genuine, true love. Let them know, we're glad you're here. You took a big step to get up on a Sunday morning and to come here. Thanks. And I don't want you to be uncomfortable today. There's the bathroom. There's the coffee oh, let me introduce you to somebody else. Because we know that the more connections that are built, the more comfortable someone's going to be. And what's been your little thingy you said? Comfort leads to bacteria. What is it? Yeah, excellence leads to comfort, which allows, fosters a place for change. So we want people to have those connections. And so it may mean that Lenore greets someone who comes in the door and she's chatting with them briefly. And, and Lenore is a bulletin dispensing machine. And, and so we can't have her for 30 minutes tied up out there singing Kumbaya necessarily. But Lenore's going to hear that this person's, oh, yeah, I've got a, a first grade grandson. And Lenore, the light bulb in her head goes off and she says, I know Becky Holland who teaches first grade. 
Now, I know it may be a stretch, but it's enough to begin building connections. And so Lenore can come across the lobby and say, oh, I want to introduce you to Becky. She's this amazing teacher with first graders, looks like your grandson. And she does the introduction, and she's passed that person on. And so I'm asking Becky to invest 48 seconds of her life in genuine love and hospitality in welcoming that person, showing that you care, getting to know their name. Glad you're here or whatever the tie-in might be. And so I know that can be uncomfortable. Some people are a little more uh, reserved. I don't fully understand that, but I've heard that there are those of you out there. So for some of you, it may be a step. But, But just if we introduce somebody to you, or you're courageous enough to go up and introduce yourself to somebody, just... It's out of genuine love to let them know that you're glad they're here and to try to foster and build those relationships so that people don't leave, not just this church, but leave the kingdom saying those people didn't care. We want them to know that we do care in appropriate ways, and I know that varies from person to person, and we can't always read what their expectations of that care are, but we don't want to do nothing. Okay, tangent, done. So Paul's list calls us to love truly, to to care deeply. And then I would kind of sum it up by basically saying be genuine. Be the real deal. There is not room for, for counterfeit, for knockoffs, for fakes when it comes to kingdom living. So be genuine. Paul talks about it in there. He says, keep the fire in your heart alive. An image for our passion for Christ of the Holy Spirit's work. He says, serve God. Keep that fire alive. That comes from a genuineness. He says elsewhere in there, don't be proud. When you think about it, pride is the biggest obstacle to unity, to developing a true sense of community, because it is in pride that I say, well, I am better, or I think at least, I am better than you. I am right. You are wrong. I drive this kind of car. You drive that kind of bus pass. I am a better person. And pride becomes that sort of delineating thing through which we filter people and make judgments and say, well, I'm, I, I don't need to associate with them. And we're surrounded by that in this world. May it not be so in the church and among those who are genuine Christ followers. Again, that empathy of sharing life, of an intimacy with each other, looks beyond that pride, that, 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 that ranking, that envy, to be genuine, to be real, to be honest with one another. Paul gives us what can be kind of an antidote to pride when he says, associate with the lowly. Think of it. uh, That sometimes in our pride we think, well, you know, I'm up here and you're down here. And, and, And I only associate with people who are up here. Or, or we love the, the star, the, the, 
the rich, the powerful, whatever, you fill in the blank. And those people, see, we, we, we dehumanize them, those people, so that we don't have to associate with them. Paul says the best way to get beyond that is to get to know somebody who's maybe not just like you. Because it will shatter the stereotypes out of which you act. Man, I wish that we as a nation could maybe embrace this because we're so guided by our political and our economic and whatever stereotypes that we forget the humanity, the reality of one another. May we get beyond that to say, okay, you may be different than I am. You you may have different skin color. You may come from a different place. You may have done different schooling. You may have different amount of money in your bank account. You may whatever. But God still made you. And you and I, we look just like God. We're twins. And if for nothing else because of that, I love you and I want to know about you. You think, uh, I think at least, of of probably the last century's um, leading example of this mantra, Mother Teresa, who chose a life in in the slums of India with what many would say the lowest of the low. And maybe it's almost kind of sad that the Catholic Church and, and as a society, we exalt her for this. Shouldn't we all be seeking to be genuine? Not that we all follow that same ministry, but that we are willing to live life with people who are different from us. So Paul's list of what the genuine Christian life might look like. And again, this is not a legalistic list where you can say, yep, did that, did that, did that. But yet there are some, I would dare to say counterfeit Christians, who think if I just do these things, if I say the right words, if I say what's expected of me, if I give, if I do this or that, that's all that's expected. That's the real deal. No, the real deal is that this stuff comes out of a transformed life. So really the point of our time together today is to look beyond the list of expectations and say, have you let Jesus transform who you are? Have you had an encounter with the God of the universe, the God of love, and been so transformed that this is the stuff that bubbles up out of you? That's where God is calling us, not to some sort of emotional uh, uh, mumbo-jumbo, but to a place where we've said, Jesus Christ, be the leader and Lord of my life. Transform that part of me which is broken and corrupt, that I might live for you and love you, and you would be reflected through me. Because when that happens, this is the kind of living that takes place. So we're going to pray in a moment. Maybe this sounds new to you, or maybe you're saying, man, I need that kind of transformation. That's who I desire to be. But before we get there, 
I've got a little task for you. Take out that bulletin again and grab a pen or pencil from the seat back pocket in front of you. We'll wait till everyone participates. You're holding up the class, ma'am. No. Uh, Nobody's going to see this except you. What I want you to do is take just a few seconds, go back through the passage here, and think about your, 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 yourself, but not in the way of <clears throat> the kind of person you want to be, not the kind of person you think the pastor thinks you should be, but maybe think about yourself in the way somebody who is close to you, who sees you on a daily basis, who knows how you respond and treat others, how would they answer this? And I want you to go through, and with your pen or pencil, circle the phrases from Paul's list that that you would say, yeah, I see that in my life. Again, this is not boastfulness. We're not going to post these out on the lobby and say, oh, Bill got a score of 98. He's super Christian. Circle the phrases that you say, yeah, I see that being produced in my life. And underline the phrases that if you were to be honest, and you are, you say, I don't really see that in me yet. That, that's not my first response. I, I don't want to be hospitable. I don't like those people. Just be honest. Underline the phrases that don't yet describe you. Circle the ones that you say, hey, I see that fruit being produced. Okay, I'm going to give you 48 seconds. And this may be a task that you want to spend some more time on at home, and I encourage you to do that. And it's not that if you haven't circled every phrase that you're some pagan, backslidden heathen. But it's that there is room for me to bring my life more into the pattern of Christ's life to experience his transformation and to live that out to a hurting and broken world, to love truly and honestly, to care deeply, to be the real deal. Hey, let's thank God for his work. God, thank you that you are in the business of transforming. You made us good and perfect, but we managed to mess it up. And so we live in a broken world where sometimes our first response can be to hurt, to be selfish, to be prideful. But when we come back to you, the maker, our creator, you want to transform us. It's almost like a factory recall And when we come back and say yes to Jesus Christ, you can cleanse us of that brokenness. You can restore us and heal us. And it may look funny or different than what the world expects, but that's because the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of this earth. 
So God, there are some of us today who maybe we look at that list and we underlined more than we circled and we're troubled by that. And so today even we want to say yes. Yes, God. Transform who I am. And it's not a magic trick. It's it's not some secret voodoo incantation that we can control. But it's through our coming and saying, God, I'm done doing it my way. I want to know you and live for you and love you and be used by you in this world. If that's where you are today, say yes. Yes, Jesus, come into my life. Come in in a new and fresh way. And I yield myself, continue to do that transforming work, that heart work, so that I do increasingly look like this list that Paul gives us, that I increasingly, and in new ways, that even people who knew the old me would say, whoa, something's different, that I can love truly and honestly, that I can care deeply, that I'm not afraid to develop an intimacy that is willing to laugh and celebrate with others' joys and to cry and weep in their pain, that we would seek for ways to be hospitable, to share life with others, to share our church with others. God, that's a very tangible way. Help us to Be church for our neighbors in a way that they feel loved, cared about, and welcomed. Through it all, God, we want to be the real deal. We don't want to be counterfeit Christians. We don't want to look good on the outside, but be broken on the in. Love, we want to love you. We want to live for you. We yield ourselves to you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And that transforming work, while done by the Holy Spirit, is lived out within the community of the church. And so if if you pray with me today in that sort of work, we want to join you in that journey. But we're not mind readers. So fill out that connection card. Talk to Pastor James, to myself, to any of these people you see up here, to any of the people with the name tag. Because we want to help connect you with tools and resources on this journey as together we seek to be transformed people so that God can use us to transform this world. Hey, let's stand together and sing.